Welcome to yet another Couple of Lattes podcast. Uh, you're here with Jacques, and today I have the pleasure of discussing outrage culture, otherwise known as cancel culture, with a friend of mine, Ryan, who I first met on the beautiful coasts of Nicaragua. Uh, now, Ryan not only uh, shares his wisdom and his knowledge around outrage culture and why it is such a, uh, such a negative force in the world today, why we should avoid it at all costs and some practical solutions to avoiding it. But he also shares a very interesting story about his recent uh, trip to Peru in which he was quarantined for 21 days, isolated, and finally managed to make his way home back to Australia where he is now spending 14 days of quarantine in a Melbourne hotel. So... Let's get into one of my favorite discussions this week. Man, how are you? It's been freaking ages. The last time I saw you was like six years ago in Nicaragua. Oh, well, man. Yeah. I've sort of been following your stuff on this road to the socials and living vicariously through movements and everything as well, so... But now I'm good. It feels weird to be back home for sure. Definitely weird. And especially under the circumstances as well. Yeah, yeah. Like. Alright, yeah. well. Anyway, so uh, I guess the topic today is outrage culture. But before we get into it, man, I, I slayed the learning yesterday on outrage culture. I knew a little bit about it, about it before, but after doing some reading, oh, yeah? It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of shown me some insights. But before we get too into it... Um, Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know each other, but for people that are listening, tell tell me a little bit about yourself, why you want to do this podcast, um, the things that interest you, and maybe tell us a little bit about your recent experience in Peru and being in quarantine in a hotel oh. in Melbourne. Okay. Um, okay, so for anyone listening, I'm, I'm sort of not too, I'm not too out of the ordinary, I'm not a doctor or a scientist or a, uh, I don't study um, human behavior or anatomy or anything like that. I'm just sort of a normal guy. I love the backpack. Um, I have been around the traps a fair bit, especially for the last three to four years. I've sort of just been living on the road, mm. trying new things um, while I travel. So I lived out of a van for eight months in Canada. I did a hitchhiking trip through New Zealand. Um, camping trips, backpacking trips, um, you know, all that kind of thing. I'd say my hobbies more sort of lie in definitely the outdoors. Anyone who knows me knows that I sort of love the the more extreme end of things. Um, I worked as a bungee jump operator in New Zealand for a while. Um, that would have been fucking fun. That, just that kind of thing. I guess that's... <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you like... I don't know, yeah, so I guess... Did you like? Still, did you like push did people you, off okay. when they didn't want to go? Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. We tend to. They tend to like to let them fall more than they they get pushed. But you know, everyone needs a little nudge here and there. So yeah, yeah. They come back up. You push me. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about, mate. Oh, and why do I want to do the podcast? Yeah, that was your other question. Um, I don't know. I want to do the podcast. We haven't spoken in a while. Um, I'm always interested in expanding my knowledge, expanding my learning, trying new things. 
Um, and this just seemed like such a cool topic in light of like what's been going on because um, I don't know, there's so much, I think there's so many channels and avenues for people to learn and expand their thinking and question what they know that are sort of growing in popularity now. People are trying to, um, I guess, challenge the quid pro quo and I think outright culture uh, is such an important part of that um, for people that want to, I don't know, the learning process, I think it's important not just to skip straight from A to B and be so hard pressed on one idea and it's it's important to sort of not just, yeah, I don't know, it's important to learn and be, but be open to learning and also be open to the idea of uh, criticism or being wrong and also not being married to your ideas is important, I think. So that's kind of why I wanted to do the podcast. So. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, suppose, I suppose... Expanding this. the knowledge. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. And I'm glad you reached out. Um, I suppose, in a sense, the topic that we're talking about being outrage culture or I've seen other names for it being cancel culture, essentially cutting entire groups out because they mm-hmm. don't agree with your beliefs. I think it kind of stems from the fact that as as we all kind of see more and we absorb more of this external bullshit coming in through social media and through just the general news media we all kind of have this sense that oh man like we need this bigger purpose we need this we need to be social warriors we need to find social justice and in doing and in doing so you you end up being the problem you know because by trying to achieve social justice you become a predator to someone who might not agree with the things that you suddenly believe are your virtues and purposes in life. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. But before we get too deep, I really want to know <laughs> about the uh, the experience coming back from Peru. Like, how was that? Oh, sorry, yeah, I completely just <laughs> skipped over that. Um, I mean, just casually being stranded in Peru? I'll try to <laughs> Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. So, um, essentially, so I was actually in Bolivia, uh-huh. uh, and I didn't know the borders were closing. It, it was just sort of a rumor circulating within the backpacker circles mm. um, that Peru and a few other South American countries were blocking uh, the French, the Spanish, Italians from entering because that was where the outbreak was bad in Europe. So. I was traveling with a French girl at the time, and she said, hey, I want to go back to Peru. I've heard they're going to start closing the border for the French. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, yeah. you know, I heard this, this. And I said, okay, I'll come over. I like, we'll, we'll keep traveling together. Because also, the threat of being in Bolivia seemed worse than being in Peru, because Peru's a bit more developed. And if we were to get, you know, in trouble, then we have an, like more connection to, you know, emergency services or whatever. Mm. So anyway, so we crossed the border into Peru, um, on a night bus, we were in this little ball town, and still there was no word that anything was going down. No one had any news. The Australian government or any foreign government, for that matter, hadn't updated the travel advisory online, so no one really knew what was what was going down for uh, a day. And uh, <coughs> pardon me, that's all right. The Peruvian the Peruvian government says we're closing everything. Uh, the borders being closed, roads being closed, the airports being closed, uh, and you've got you know 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever it was to to make your movements. So because I'd just come from across the border, 
I was nowhere near like airports or like anywhere I could be. Like I was nowhere near being able to leave the country because the borders are now closed. Mm. They're saying they're going to close the roads in 24 hours. The courts have 12 hours to be closed. So there's no way I can get to an airport or anywhere in 12 hours because uh, I'm quite rural. I'm quite remote. And this is the situation a lot of people found themselves in. Like things just shut like overnight and they woke up and they're not allowed on the roads, they're not allowed to do anything. So what happened for me, I was near the border. I had to take the bus um, from the border town to the city of Cusco, which mm. arrived at Cusco at like 3 a.m. in the morning, so pitch black. And as I said, I got the bus and everything's closed. It's a ghost town. So like I'm talking like shops are boarded shut, no cars on the street, there's barricades across the roads, the police and military are walking around. Um, yeah, nothing. So it's super quiet. So a lot of the hostels and hotels weren't even like taking backpackers. So I was lucky that the French girl I was with another guy, we found a hostel. Um, we checked in there and then that's sort of when things kicked off. So we were, I was in total, I was quarantined for 21 days. And so the first seven days of the quarantine, um, we were allowed to leave the hostel so we could leave every day, go and get groceries, come back. Um, we'd have to wear a face mask from day one on the streets. You could be in groups of two. You couldn't congregate in the parks or you couldn't, you couldn't congregate at all. So or you couldn't even be standing still, so to mm. speak. If you were on the street, you'd have to be moving towards your, um, towards your destination. So that was the first few days. And then after that, they started restricting it more and more and saying, you can't be out between these times. Um, you can't be out. Um, if you're a boy or a girl on these days, uh, and then they started saying that you could only leave the hostel once a week to do your um, grocery shop. So, sorry, it became quite restrictive. Like it became that pretty much everyone was just living like um, hostel. So you're just doing everything in the hostel. You're cooking, you know, playing games, playing ping pong, practicing your Spanish, whatever. <laughs> but essentially, you're on your yeah. So everyone was just kind of like on house arrest. That was essentially what it felt like. But it wasn't, there was an air of danger. It was just like people weren't saying, oh my God, like, um, what's going to happen to us? There was no panic buying. I was really impressed with that, with the Peruvians. Um, they weren't being polite to us. Like I heard some examples of people in other South American countries where they were unfortunately getting spat at or told to leave, go home, you know, you're not welcome here, foreigner, this kind of thing. So. Mm. I can't say from my experience we had that happen, but there was just the air of um, uncertainty. No one really knew when we were going home. The embassies weren't in contact with us. Um, yeah, just that kind of thing. So that's really what transpired uh, and turned into the, the animosity. People were starting to say, when's it going to end? You know, it's getting stricter. What's going to happen? Are they going to kick us out of the hostel? Are we going to have nowhere to stay? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I think all the speculation is sort of what played on people's minds and that wanted to leave eventually because I just didn't know how long it was going to be going on so they said okay if we had waited out better off to be at home yeah dude wow what a crazy experience well, yeah that was pretty nuts yeah I mean I'm glad you came out of it without uh, any crazy stories like the ones you were saying for other friends of yours in different countries I found when I was in Peru as well just the people in general and the kind of vibe and in the air there is it's it's calm and it's polite and it's yeah. people are kind and caring. Yeah, so if you're going to be stuck in a country, I suppose that's a pretty good one to be. 
to be stuck in. Yeah, it was just, yeah, I think the other reason why we got like stuck, so to speak, was just because they closed the borders and the airports and stuff. So if you were in um, Argentina or if you were in Chile during the early stages of the corona outbreak, mm. those Australians still had the chance to leave because there was still flights running. But the fact that the Peruvian government closed the airport straight away was literally the, the sole reason why everyone got stranded because they were just, they were stuck there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to, it wasn't like a do or die situation for me. Like, mm. um, it was just a lot of trying to keep busy and I did, so I did 21 days in total quarantine there and now I've got to do another 14 here. So yeah routine is key <laughs> yeah dude 100 percent. you figure that out pretty yeah. quick eh? yeah it was interesting yeah, i actually sure. i was very lucky because i was in brazil and literally the day before everything went wild and borders started getting closed i just cruised back on a flight from chile landed in australia yeah. and then everyone was like fucking mad and i was just i just come yeah. from chilling on beaches in brazil i was super like oh. laid back and then came back and was like it was like a, a, a dumbed down version of Mad Max, you know, everyone just grabbing toilet yeah. paper and hustling in the supermarkets and Yeah, that's it was, that it was, I still don't understand. Like how much People do uh, weird things when they're scared, man. Fear like yeah. creates this, like uncertainty and fear, people just do weird, weird shit. But uh man, I think I think that's kind For of sure. the T the T V one is Yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, Oh, I was just saying the toilet paper one is just so funny to me. Like, <laughs> what are you, what are you suggesting? You know, like far out. I remember seeing a video and this American dad, his daughter was filming it, and he'd done the math to like how much toilet paper on average people use per shit, how many shits a family of four does per day, and he did the math and he was like, if you buy a twenty-four pack of just a regular pack of toilet paper. It's gonna last a family of four to f four or five people over three months. <laughs> and um, it's like, dude, like, why do you need to get just an outrageous yeah. amount of toilet paper? It's mind That's mind. crazy. Yeah, I saw on the news this morning. There's a guy who has five thousand toilet rolls, <laughs> and he's trying to ask if he can he can get a refund. And the supermarket said, "No way! Like, you're you're the reason we had this problem." You're a fucking idiot. So. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's not, it's not crazy. It's, it's just disappointing, really. Yeah, I mean, I think your kind of story with the whole being stranded in Peru kind of segues us nicely into talking about outrage culture anywhere. Because one of the things that I <laughs> thought was fascinating um, is how crazy and emotional people got um, with these mercy flights, they were calling them, where people were stranded in other countries and people were going well why why didn't they get home earlier why didn't they do this why didn't they do that and it's like you just explained i mean if you're in the middle of butt fuck nowhere and there's no media and there's no communication how could you yeah. possibly know and this would have all happened yeah exactly that's the thing and i think as well like um in terms of like the flights the the real the real problem stemmed from when the government in Peru, this is, when the Peruvian government closed everything, the Australian embassy also shut down. So for the first four days, the, like, a lot of people were emailing the embassy and they were getting no response because literally no one was manning the phones, no one was on the computers. So that was where a lot of the, I guess, the anger stemmed from was because 
the people were trying to reach out to like the Australian, you know, the Australian government and representatives in Peru, but they weren't getting a response because the people had gone home. The consulate had been shut. So mm. the embassy, sorry, had been shut up. So because of that, um, the first few days, people were just, that was when, you, like you said, you know, losing their mind a little bit or whatever, like that was when the stress really began for people because they were like, what's happening? Where's the embassy? Who's here to support us? How long would this be? Like, is the military able to do this? What are our rights? You know, the question list kept growing and growing, but because no one was, was there to respond, that's sort of what angered a lot of people. And and then as well, like the, the I think a lot of other governments, to their credit, were, were quick to act. Mm. Um, the Italians were quick to get their people out, the Germans, the Spanish, etc., etc., the Dutch. Um, so for the Australians, and I think the New Zealanders, unfortunately, were in the same position, mm. um, they were sort of wondering, when's it our turn? You know, like, when's it our turn to go? Because the embassies had had nothing, the Canadians as well got out pretty quickly. Mm. Um, when's it our turn? Like, uh, when are we going to be able to get extracted sort of thing? But there was no answer from the government. And... I'm not involved in those circles. I don't know how crazy it must be to have the, the logistical nightmare of trying to extract people. But I also think, you know, we are a world away from Peru and Australia and, and New Zealand. Like, European countries can sort of band together uh, and say, you know, France, Germany, blah, blah, blah. They're all quite, you know, they're close to each other and they can have a unified approach. How do you do this? How do we do this? Like, let's work together. Mm-hmm. Whereas Australia and New Zealand, we're sort of just floating down in the Pacific all on our own. So I'm not sure if that was sort of more like a contributing factor to to making us like harder to get out of Peru or not. But um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of anger. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it turned super quick and it went from, instead of people actually just listening to what was going on and being like, all right, well, the common problem is these guys are stuck there and they're freaking out and everyone's mm-hmm. really uncertain. Let's make a plan and do something. It became kind of similar to the situation here because I'm Kiwi and I'm living in Australia yeah, yeah. and obviously it's it's been an issue for me in terms of like I lost my job mm-hmm. d- didn't have any income coming in but mm-hmm. essentially Kiwis were excluded from getting the payments and for me it was kind of like alright just give it a couple weeks that's, like, I think that's... yeah just give it a couple weeks like everyone's sorting everything yeah. out like understanding the fact that for everyone this is completely unbelievable like it's it's hard to deal with something that you haven't dealt with in over a hundred years but instead instead of instead of that kind of empathetic attitude people turned to social media and just became social justice warriors and one group started yelling about one thing and being like well you should be in your own country and fuck everyone who's not from our country and like all this massive aggression and then it came from the other side like no one's right in this situation that's the problem like, no one's really listening. Yeah. Because then the other side goes, well, yeah. fuck you, we've contributed, yada, yada, and everyone just starts yelling at each other. And then, mm-hmm. I guess that's the concept of outrage, outrage cultures. You have these two people, like, if you yell and you get angry at someone, they're not going to change. They're mm-hmm. just going to put their back against the wall, they're going to put their, their fists up, and they're going to fight. And that's kind of like mm-hmm. what's happening, right? Like in, yeah, exactly. in in many situations, you get these people just getting super super angry, and they just end up contributing to the problem. Yeah, I think honestly, that's I think that's such a product of the internet culture because look at look at the interactions we have with, with each other on the street. You know, no one's really getting that aggro and that violent. <laughs> and we're still we're still quite civil, but 
when it comes to the internet, we have the ability to, perhaps it brings out our true colors. I, I'm not sure, but with through the internet, we have the ability to be straight from zero to 100 with no repercussions. No one's gonna, no one can hurt you. You can say what you want. You can throw it out there. You know, you can deplatform someone. You can throw their name around. You can do all this within seconds. And mm -hmm. the other crazy thing is you have a huge audience as well. So th I think this is just like a, a melting pot that's been created with the internet. So I'm not sure. Like I think the – and like what you're saying about people yelling and, and what we were saying about the flights from Peru, the pendulum goes both ways. Like yeah. that was another funny thing I noticed as well. Like some people were saying um, – you know, please send, and I, I was in agreement as well. Like, of course, we'd like to be extracted with flights, but, you know, I was waiting my time and, and seeing what would happen. Some people were saying it's not good enough. But then on the other side of the pendulum, we had people who were saying, like, oh, screw them, like, don't spend taxpayer money on extracting them, and and um, they were traveling, it's their fault, blah, blah, blah. Like, they knew, the, they knew the travel warning, and they were just completely cutting down all these people but I think what's important is when you really when you pick apart an argument like that like that, that's the thing you got to go through everything with a fine tooth comb because when you pick apart the argument it makes no sense so for example with the extrapolation of the people in Peru the taxpayer wasn't paying for that so the first round of flights that came through were $5,000 or $10,000 so there, there's an example um, <laughs> That wasn't being paid for by the taxpayer. That was being paid for by the people who needed the flights. The second round of flights were 2500 So they were quite expensive as well. Um, and so that was, the, that was sort of the first thing where I think, okay, this, this argument is just crazy. The second thing is when they're saying, oh, they should have heeded travel warnings, the Peruvian government shut everything overnight. So these people had no chance, you know, Australians, Germans, French, Europeans, North Americans, all these backpackers, they had no chance to listen to any travel warning. They were just, they were forced, you know, into isolation and uh, into quarantine because it was, it was done overnight. So if you, you know, if you didn't have the ability to get to an airport or take a flight within a few hours, you, you were going to be stuck. And on top of that, the Peruvian government closed on March, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, I think. Like March 8th? Oh, can you still hear me? Yeah, bro. Still here. Okay. Yeah, the Peruvian government closed on March 8th or something like this, but the Australian government didn't release a do not travel warning until days after. You know, I think the Australian travel warning was March 18th or something. So these people are saying like, oh, why are they traveling now? But they're sort of failing to forget we were already overseas when they issued the do not travel ban was issued so it's not like we heard that there was a travel ban and started a oh, quick time to go to peru do, do you know what i mean so mm. but when you read that on the internet and they say oh they were traveling and um you know the taxpayers paying for this like it, it really it, it, it's it's not really a sensible argument at all and to, and on top of that you've got 400 people who if they're not working they're not paying tax either so better to bring them home and get them working again you know mm. that's another thing i guess but but yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it confuses me, for sure. Yeah. It really confuses me. Like, the anger is, it's crazy. Yeah, I, th I think you touched on something really important with the internet thing in, in terms of, the way I like to think of it is, one, no one really grasps the concept of um, communicating properly. I think a big part of communicating <laughs> properly is first and foremost seeking to understand 
So to understand, have a healthy debate and understand, all right, what is the common problem mm-hmm. or the common ground here? And instead of being so invested yeah. in our emotional perspective, let's remove the problem from ourselves and actually discuss it and have what uh, a, a mentor of mine, Ray Dalio, coins thoughtful disagreement. So that's that's the mm-hmm. first problem. And the problem with the internet is that it's so instant. We look at an article, we look at a headline, we don't even investigate what it's about, and we just start social justice no. worrying. Like, we just start fucking going at it. And That's the thing, yeah. And it's, I think yeah. what that is, this, this is the way I like to think of it. This is a, a metaphor, anyway, that works for me, is you, you have, like, you're a child, and then you have your teenage years, which are your massively disruptive years. That's the years when you go fuck you mom fuck you dad like i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want this is my life and then you get through your 20s which is like a very important period in life i think that's when you really discover yourself and then you become an adult well some people do anyway some people just spend the rest of their lives as a teenager bitching and moaning about everything and i think what's happening with the internet right now is we are in the teenage years we are treating the internet as we would as a teenager you know like we're, we're acting sure. out and whining and complaining and you know we're stuck on the internet like using it as basically our guideline to life and i think this is part of what's causing this outrage culture is the fact that we are stuck in this teenage year phase of the internet i think it's just going to take yeah. time for people to go all right actually the internet is a really great tool but it's not the be-all and end-all of my life. And then we'll or get... communicate as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah commu- and the internet is such a bad platform for communication. If you can't see and, you know, understand the emotions of another person, like we're doing now over Skype, like we can see each other, we can hear each other. There's no way yeah. I'm going to turn around at you right now and go, you're a fucking idiot, bro. How did you not have psychic abilities and understand that there'd be a travel ban and you should have got out of Peru? Like, what's wrong with you, man? Come on. Yeah. yeah there's no way yeah. I'm going to do that because I can see and I can understand, like, where you're coming from. Like, what happened? Yeah. And how many of us have written something online before, like, written a comment which has been taken out of context? Because text, like, oh, a great example someone said to me once is, when you read a book, uh, like a, a, a story book, and like Harry Potter or something, before the movie came out, I'm sure we all had a different image of Harry Potter. He has brown hair, he has the scar here, circular glasses. Like the person we imagine or the place we imagine when we're reading a book, which is what I'm getting at is when we're reading text, can vary so differently between person to person. So that interpretation could be the exact same if someone's reading something online. So like... I might be reading text that someone's just put out and I have a visual, I have an image of this is happening in politics or this is happening in travel or whatever, and someone else could read that exact text and have a complete different understanding simply because of the way their their brain works and they function. And the breakdown that happens with the purely text or purely internet communication is uh, like you're saying, there's a lot missing. Mm. And I think the other thing is as well, like, it's actually okay to have debate. Like, it's fully okay. And <laughs> yes. not only is it okay, but it's it's necessary. Like, um, you take any invention, uh, a lamp or a, a car or whatever, 
the lamp has to, someone has to try it out and say, okay, does this button work this way? Does it work this way? They have to test it. Mm. They have to try something before they know it works. You know, to see, you know, how fast can we take this car? How 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 hard can I push the pedal? This kind mm. of thing. This testing of ideas is super necessary um, with a debate as well. If you have someone who presents an idea, rather than cancel them out and just tell them, you know, start slagging them off and getting them removed from platforms, it's important to, as the saying goes, like put them through the the trial by fire, like put them through the flame and see, test test the test the idea out with other ideas. Like open discussion is the best way for a for something to move forward. And again, this might it sounds like I'm using a lot of metaphors, but like the saying goes, a broken clock is still right twice a day. Mm. So you know you could have someone who has all these ideas who. Sadly, perhaps 90% of what they're saying is false or it's not backed by science and it's incorrect, but perhaps 10% of what they say is relevant. Mm. And and by cancelling the matter, we're actually cancelling the ability for us to absorb that 10% and us to grow from what they're saying. So I think the cancel culture is like it's a double-edged sword because really by trying to push someone else away, you're pushing away the knowledge that can help you develop your own idea and, and certify that, oh, this is backed by science. Now I know this is correct or this is incorrect. Do, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And I, I think you're seeing, we're, we're seeing examples of this in almost, uh, almost every area of life at the moment in politics, you know, places like the States, Trump getting voted in. That was probably a result of, or partly a result of cancel culture, you know, he, he didn't just turn up magically mm-hmm. in the office. Like he, he came there because he's someone who understands how to play on people's fears and outrage, and he plays the system. You know, we're seeing it in politics. Yeah. We're seeing it in, you know, social issues, um, feminism, for example. Like, there's a lot of feminists out there who are really, really great people who are going about things the right way and explaining. You know, it's not, uh, it's not right that women should walk down a street and feel in danger. Like. I can't relate to that. You can't relate to that because, as men, no, of course not. We, we don't really get that. So you can understand from that point of view, and you have certain uh, women and men in some cases who are explaining this in a way that people in power can find common ground and changes can be made and education can start changing. I've seen it in Melbourne actually. You know, in the tram stops, for example, they have this big poster I saw, and it's got this close-up of a girl's face and she's got a tear running down her face and there's a line that says oh with what she was wearing she was asking for it and it's crossed out with a line but you can still kind of read the text and then under it it says maybe maybe she just wanted to try it maybe she just wanted to look beautiful tonight you know and that like that's a good way of approaching it because then you're Mm -hmm. identifying with people's emotions and you're allowing them to understand as opposed to this other way, which you're seeing in, you know, like feminism and politics and um, all these other kind of social um, disagreements where people just berate and attack other people without any sort of basis for it. It's like, of, of course, those people aren't yeah. going to understand your argument if they feel like you're just trying to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we've got to we've got to understand as well. Like a lot of these concepts are so new. Um, not obviously, I'm not saying with feminism, but even the idea of democracy in terms of like what so far as we know, with 
populations to, you know, develop societies. Democracy is a new experiment. Like, all these crazy liberalism, not crazy, like, these liberalism and left ideas that are, that are developing now, they are going through that testing phase where we're figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And these are new ideas. So, of course, there's going to be scrutiny and there's going to be, um, like what you're saying, this kind of marketing campaign. We would never have seen that at a tram stop 15 years ago, 10 years ago. So this is, I guess, this is the new way, the pushback so to speak, that's, that's coming from these ideas. And I think it's it's definitely, it's super necessary, but it's also necessary to be able to question how far an idea can encroach, can push. Mm. And that's where the two, the two things should meet. And that's what, that's, that's our whole discussion today. Like if we're not having that, that coming together and meeting point mm. because of the outrage culture, then the, so to speak, the, the goalposts are always going to keep moving. You know yeah. what I mean? The game's always... The, we're never going to set the rules mm. because if we're not coming together to make those rules, then like I said, yeah, the the, post, the goalposts are going to keep moving. This side's going to come into this territory here, then this side's going to come into this territory here, and they're always going to be trying to um, expand into each other's you know domain, so to speak, mm. where they haven't yet been attacked, where there hasn't been the, counter, the, the cancel culture. And... I think that's why we're having the cancer culture across so many platforms because once something has quickly been deemed like whoever got the louder voice early on, um, perhaps they've won you know, that, that miniature argument and then we have to move on to the next one and the next one and the next mm-hmm. one. But rather than open up the dialogue, there seems to just be this quick like rapid fire. You know what I mean? Like um, as soon as something comes up in the media, it's just... <clears throat> like a, a thousand to one in in seconds so um yeah i know I, I like the idea of a long open debate and i think it's for me it's far more interesting to let people who are educated or even people who are uneducated have a voice i think that's uh for me that's yeah i like that much more yeah i totally agree man the the essentially the concepts of seeking to understand and having thoughtful disagreement which is debate exactly what you're talking about but i think uh yeah yeah i think you touched on another thing without realizing so essentially by having like these opinions and these strict uh you know beliefs that you won't sway from and you won't listen to anyone else you kind of attack people and like you say you have this perceived idea that you've won the argument you know like you've won but no one's actually winning in that because all you're mm-hmm. doing is you're continuing the cycle of f- seeking out negativity. You're not actually finding yeah, anything exactly. positive. You're just continually seeking out negativity and just cancelling and cancelling and cancelling and cancelling. And not only are you destroying the lives of other people. I mean, I want to use an example of... Um, where are we? I've got it written down somewhere. Yeah, so I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day, actually, the Joe Rogan podcast. You listen to Joe? Yeah, of course, man. He's when freaking, I can, for sure. He's, he's so good. Anyway, I was, he was having a, a podcast with Bill Burr, who's another comedian, and they were talking about um, outrage culture, and they used a reference... Oh, perfect. Yeah, they, they used a reference of uh, a woman posted or tweeted, so in public, in a public domain... Um, I will never vote for a president who's male or white. And 
I mean, I get it. I get the point of views. I understand it. Um, you, want, you want something different, you know? Yeah, you want something different, yeah. which is good. But if you're going to post something out like that, you should be willing to accept the opposing arguments or the opposing point of views. And this professor mm-hmm. commented on her post and said, so what you're saying is you're racist and you're sexist. Okay, pretty full-on loaded comment. But instead of going about it the way of, okay, so this person's probably really offended that because he's white and he's male, let's have a discussion, kind of educate him why I have these beliefs. She went, she called his university that he worked at and asked for him to get fired. See, that, I feel like that was like a three, a triple whammy on like, they each... Like they both did the wrong thing both times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Both of them just tried to cancel right. each other out. And then it, it ended up yeah. in just they both wanted blood, you know? Like there was no no winner in that. Yeah. At all. So I yeah, it's so it's interesting. Something with, sorry, with with something like that, I think the best thing to do is always like like what we get taught when you're a kid, like put yourself in someone else's shoes. So where where is that coming from within her? Obviously, she's like, you know, doesn't relate to a white male rich president. So she's saying, I don't want this. So she's, I guess that's what she's saying. She doesn't relate to that. And then, but we also have to put ourselves uh, in his shoes. So for me, that doesn't offend me. Mm. Uh, if someone says, I don't want a white male president or uh, there's a lot of like anti rich white man sentiment that that kind of stuff doesn't offend me because i'm not i've got thicker skin than that but i can see where if we perhaps change the narrative if she'd written i don't want a black president there would be huge backlash if she said i don't want an asian president or a mexican president and there would be you know huge backlash as well so we have to put ourselves in his shoes maybe he was really really offended as well and he says oh you're a racist so they both just went straight, like you said, they both were seeing red and, and going straight for the throat kind of thing. But And the sad thing is they actually both have a right to do that. That is that is their right to say how they feel and, you know, it, it is, I guess, your right to the freedom of speech. But rather he could have just said exactly that, like, where is this coming from? What's your – why do you feel this way? But instead of approaching it like that, they both just took the wrong turn. And then to go and call and ask for him to be fired is just like the ultimate. <laughs> that actually it's like... It's mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, who That's, actually wins in that situation? And no one, after all of that, when you really look at it, no one actually finds out what the problem is. Okay. No. This, uh, yeah, this, yeah. this dude can't handle the fact he's too insecure that he's white male. This girl uh, may have had something terrible happened to her in the past but she's too afraid to let people know the real reason why she feels the way she does so she just puts something like that on social media it's like no one really understands at the yeah. end of that everyone's still just as confused but now on top of that they're angry and they're not even listening to another person's point of view like we're allowed to have different opinions like you say it's the difference yeah, exactly. it's the discussion over these different opinions that moves us forward as a society yeah and something that I like, this may seem non-related, but something that I always keep in the back of my mind is I've, I've had this conversation with friends before and I've used it as an, an analogy. Like at some point in time, some guy or some girl was saying the earth was round, okay? And they were considered crazy. Everyone says, no, the earth has to be flat because how can this work and this work? So there was at some point in time a small minority who believed in something that ended up to be truth. Mm. 
So that, back to what we were saying before about like pushing someone away and then not getting that 10% of them. What if that 10% we're pushing away and cancelling is super fundamental mm. to growth? Like what if that 10% is the person saying, hey, uh, I'm a scientist, I'm a physicist, I've worked out the world is round and everyone just says, you're crazy, go away or then the cancel culture, outrage culture begins. We've pushed away something without giving it that that proper testing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's why I'm sort of an open book. I like I love the idea of everyone just throwing ideas at each other and letting it all come together and seeing where it ends up, rather than just completely not letting an idea sink or swim. I think that's like uh, I don't know. I like to I like to to let the idea yeah let it be tested and. And also be open to the fact that I can also be wrong. You know, if we were back a thousand, two thousand years ago, uh, when people were still believed the earth was flat and the church was, I guess, supporting that idea and people believed in the church, they placed their trust trust in the church and science wasn't so back, perhaps I would have been the guy saying, yeah, the earth is flat. So maybe I'm that guy right now, but with a different narrative and I don't yet know that I'm wrong or right. Do you know what mm. I mean? So what if right now I'm... I'm supporting an idea that's widely accepted by 90% of people and then I found out that, oh, that's actually not correct. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, it makes total I think sense. it's important. Yeah, I think it's super important to not be married to those ideas. Like, of course, like if you believe something, support it, um, research it, back it up. And it's it's not wrong to have trust in, in how you feel, but don't be so married to the idea that you can't see past the end of your nose. If something is really... Um, you know, if, if you're holding on to this idea so, so much that you refuse to let it go, even when it's beginning to, to crumble, that's, I think, another another thing that's, that's sort of dangerous. Not only pushing the ideas onto other people so hard, but also holding onto them mm. too hard is, is can be dangerous as well. And that's like a product of both the, the outrage culture. Because when someone's, like you said, pushing you against the wall, what do you do? You double down. So... Mm. I think that's another act that's happening. People are doubling down on their ideas. And that, again, is what's creating that polarity, that super left, super right, mm. rather than coming together and saying, you know, actually, you've got some good ideas, let's take those, and you've got some good ideas, let's take those. It's becoming a, um, you have to toe the party line on everything mm. or nothing, you know what I mean? Mm. You can't just say, oh, I'm, I'm super left or I'm super right, I believe everything you guys sorry i believe half of what you guys say but not the other half if you're not all in on nothing then you get slagged by your own people and your own supporters and it doesn't have to be left or right it could be any debate religion this that the other uh, and i think that's also crazy like you take a bunch of school kids together and you get them to to make a team a sport team what do they do they figure out who's the good goalie who's the good um, kicker, who's the good this? They figure out who belongs where, and it's the same with ideas. I think mm. we have to take the best of everything and figure out where it fits. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just how I feel. I feel like it's it's crazy to just um, be completely, you know, belligerent or completely, uh, how do, I guess, like Naive. loyal to like one cause or one idea, but not accept that perhaps like your idea also has flawed and, and the rhetoric that you're trying to support may not be 100% correct. Mm. You know what I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there has to be a bit of give and take on everything. Mm. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, yeah, I think adding to your points, especially in terms of the idea of 
attaching your own self-worth to a concept or an idea or a value or an object that is completely external from yourself uh, is a a big problem with this outrage culture because instead of, as you would do with debate, as you would do with thoughtful disagreement, presenting the points, knowing that that point and that value and that idea is, is not the thing that identifies you. Your self-value and your self-worth is not in that thing. Then you can have a real yeah, conversation, totally. you know? But the problem is, like you say, exactly like you say, people get hooked on this concept that if they don't believe in something and double down on it and basically defend it like it's their own being then they're going to be viewed as weak or they're going to be, they're not going to have any value in themselves. I think, and, yeah, I'll do it. and that in mm. itself is a huge problem because what does that stem from? It stems from the fact that people nowadays, because they're so flooded by external, um, external noise and external thoughts and ideas and concepts that they forget to listen to the voice inside like the internal dialogue, they forget to actually understand themselves. So you get all these people who are trying to be something else for someone else. And by doing so, they're attaching themselves to all these things and these values and these objects that are actually nothing to do with them at all. And then they get into a discussion Mm -hmm. about it and just turns into, fuck you, you're wrong, I'm right, this is me, stop attacking me. And it's not you they're attacking. They're just trying to talk to you that about the idea and say hey maybe there's a different way maybe you're wrong on this point and like you say maybe i'm right on this point so yeah 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 it's very yeah i think and there's like yes i think not being attached and like removing yourself like i don't know i can't speak for everyone but i can certainly speak for myself when i say like when you're on the in sorry when you're in these internet echo chambers and it starts to become shots fired i don't think i've ever actually changed my opinion when someone started calling me an idiot or this or that or when people start going crazy that's not the way people people come around to an idea like what you said right it was when we opened up the conversation like the super aggressive approach is never like you don't create love through hate sort of so to speak i don't think i I don't think that's the way like um and on the other side of that i don't know are people literally sitting there typing away furiously and then saying like oh i've done my i've done my moral my you know my good civilian act today no no one's feeling like that no one actually thinks that they've done you know they've asserted this i've I've changed this guy's life he's going to feel this way or or when you're on the other end oh yeah i fully i understand now and one of the things that's really interesting about this is um i don't think there is a a perfect formula for for learning for everyone not everyone is going to learn or or change the same way for me, I have to come around to an idea on my own in my own time. It, it, that that applies to everything. Like sadly, I I'm the type where I have to make the same mistake twice to really be sure that that's that's not for me or this isn't the way I think or something. I always like to keep dipping my feet in the pool in the water, so to speak, with with these foreign ideas to really know how do I feel, how you know, and this kind of thing. And that what I'm saying about people typing away furiously and for me. Things just tend to come come in their own time. I don't think being in internet platforms and receiving all this hate speech or giving all this hate speech is really going to make you change your opinion. It has to be something that you're willing and ready ready to change. Is sort of what, is what I'm getting at. Like, mm. 
and you can't just become ready because someone comments something. I think being readiness is, it's like a combination of so many things. It's like your personal maturity, um, your personal ability to be open-minded, and those aren't things you can be taught through a comment. Do you know what I mean? So like, at the end of the day, like the learning lesson isn't the, it's not in the black or white facts. The learning lesson is the lesson to learn. It's like the, the ability to be open-minded. And I'm not sure if that's something that can be taught um, back in, in a back-and-forth sludge match, you know what I mean? And the other danger I think people don't recognize is, I'm not sure if many people know this, I've also sort of found this out through podcasts and that kind of thing, but um, chat rooms and uh, social media, these are actually algorithms that are, um, that are watching your behavior and then they're targeting media and other things to fit that behavior. So if you're someone who sits on the internet looking at negative things all day or engaging in dramatic content, then you're going to get a lot of that dramatic content back. So now you are in an echo chamber. So now you are somewhere that you're not giving yourself room to, to climb out. If you're looking at only super left media or only super right media and not supporting or believing in, you know, being open-minded to either side, you're just going to keep getting flooded with that, the rhetoric that you're, that you're looking at, if that makes sense. Like these are just, these apps and everything are designed to be that way. So it's trying to market to you. So mm. if you're continually looking at um, at things that support your narrative, you're just going to keep going further and further down that rabbit hole. And that's when you have to realize, okay, I've got to be open-minded because otherwise you're starting to think, oh, look, I'm, you're, you're self-verifying. Oh, look, this is this, this is this. Oh, look at how much factual evidence is around me. This. um you know, of course I'm right. Look at what I'm seeing every day. I wake up to this news and this news, but that news has been targeted for you. Mm. So it's good to step outside, like what you're saying, and um, being married to the ideas and that kind of thing as well. It's really good to step outside your your own ideas and sort of look at them from another perspective and like come back um, to those ideas if that makes sense, and not just be. Yeah, not just be so in tune with, oh, I have to be right because what I'm seeing supports my idea, if you know what I mean. Yeah, dude, you're, yeah, you're 100% right. I think an easy way to put that or to kind of understand that concept is the way social media works for your, for your brain, the way the algorithm works is, for example, if you see a pug and then your sister or your brother sends you a photo of a pug... Uh, what happens in your mind is your mind prioritizes that as something that you should pay attention to. So then what happens when you go outside? Suddenly there's thousands of pugs everywhere and you're like, where the fuck did all these pugs come from? And in reality, mm -hmm. the pugs have always been there. Your mind just hasn't clicked on to the fact that all these pugs are there because it hasn't been prioritized. So that's essentially how yeah. the algorithm works. Let's say, for example, I want to use an example. I, I saw a friend post... A little while ago which I had a little giggle about and it kind of relates to judging people upon their past as well and it was around Bill and Melinda Gates um, who in my opinion are two people who have made mistakes in the past but are actively trying to to better the world in a way they can with the money that they have that's my opinion it may be wrong and I'm open to ideas against it but what I saw mm. is you know this this girl is obviously She's not big on people with lots of money. She doesn't like the fact that people have lots of money, which probably stems from an inherent fear that she has of money. You know, she sees people with money and goes, oh, they don't have the right values. They've got lots of money. 
I'm just going to yeah. straight away discard them as people that I don't believe in. So what happens? Just like the pug, she starts seeing media that's negative or against the opinions or the work that these people have done. So <laughs> for a while, she was just constantly posting these articles of, you know, how terrible Bill Gates was as a human being and promoting people to, like, attack his Instagram and fight against him. And then when I saw people putting in comments with the opposing view, which were often quite polite and very factual, instead of seeing the opposing view, she just straight away attacked them and essentially cut them off at the root. So the, this, is the, this is the problem is, like you're saying, the way the algorithm works is when you start seeing a point of view, you kind of dive deeper and deeper into what you've called, I think it's a really good way to put it, the echo chamber. And before you know it, you're so deep that it's part of you. It's who you are as a person. It's what you identify with, and you just can't come out. Yeah. And so you just yeah, don't even you don't even listen yeah. to reason. It's like the the. It's funny that you used flat Earth before because there's this growing community of flat Earthers now, or this gro- these mm-hmm. growing communities of people that don't believe we landed on the moon, or growing communities who just believe all these crazy outrageous things, which is fine, but because they self-identify with them and they're not open to like. You know, maybe looking at dogs that are different at pugs and going online and looking at French bulldogs or Labradors, just using this as a metaphor, just really getting out mm-hmm. of their comfort zone. Or maybe even looking at cats, you know, the totally different perspective, using that as a metaphor. <laughs> they just get stuck in, in this, what you call the echo chamber. Yeah. No, I know what you mean about the pugs, like, I was just thinking when you were saying about the pubs as well. I don't know about you, but how many people have bought a car and then you start seeing that exact main model of a car everywhere? Yeah. Like you buy a you buy a Toyota pickup or something, and all you see is Utes everywhere. You're like, oh, there's a ton of Utes in there. Um, and or like playing in a like soccer or something, you join a soccer team, and then what happens? You start following soccer and you watch soccer games. So it's a kind. Of, I know what you mean. You sort of begin to you let it take up more mental residency i guess so to speak you have to take up more of your thoughts and more of your mind um and what i guess what you're saying as well about um the how you're saying with the flat earth and this and uh, people are starting to push back against these ideas or these ideas i think that also is a product like all of this is such an interconnected web of products like the outrage culture as we we're saying stems from the pardon me the internet um, and the growth of not being having face-to-face communication. I think it also comes from the, the instantaneous nature that we're starting to see in our in our world. Everything has to be now, 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 now. So mm. when something is put forward, there needs to be a result now. We need a we need an opinion now, rather than letting it simmer and boil and letting it, like we said, letting it be tested and that kind of thing. Mm. And I also think another product of what we're seeing now is credibility. So with the flat earth thing. There's been such a, a loss in credibility for the big authorities, you know, the governments, the um, scientists who were backing the wrong thing, or this or that or the other. So because so many institutions have lost credibility, people are starting to not put faith in people who are credible. Mm. So let's go to the, the flat earth thing. I don't know. I'm not saying I am a flat earther, but I'm not saying I'm not. Like, I'm saying I believe from what I believe, I've placed in my, my trust in the people who are credible. So I, I believe, yeah, I believe the Earth is round, we're floating around in space. Um, I've taken flights 
across the, you know, the continents that sort of verify that. But no, I haven't looked at the Earth from space, so I can't, I can't tell you I'm 100% sure. Do you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not 100%. Mm. But I think that also comes from the breakdown in credibility. So like the people who are saying the Earth is flat, they're not trusting the, the, um, the outputs that the scientists are having. They're just saying, no, all scientists can't be trusted. All the politics can't be trusted, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's, that's like what we're saying is just like a breakdown now and everything is, um, is starting to be put under the microscope more thoroughly. But mm. a, a product of that is we're losing credibility. We're losing faith in the people who are doing the right thing and who are um, leaders in their field or experts in their field simply because we're just saying uh, one scientist was wrong, so they're all wrong. Or one uh, politician is corrupt, so they're all corrupt. Like. I don't know if that's the best way to be. I think each case has to be taken on a on a you know a, an individual example. Like every should be, you know, all science isn't wrong just because you know a couple of scientists said this or said that. So I think that's important too. The breakdown in credibility also creates like a voice for people who aren't experts in their field to you know like we're saying about the outrage culture. Everyone has a voice now on the internet, uneducated or educated. Uh, and that can be a benefit, but that can also be a problem because when you're having people who aren't, you know, experts in a field who are now, I guess, you know, speaking to the masses, what if you're an easily influenced person and you're just, like we are saying, climbing down these rabbit holes? Perhaps you're going to be so misguided for years on end. So, you know, I think it's, like we're saying, it's, it's important to keep open-minded and, mm. and, and not be married to anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man, I totally agree with you. Um, and just to just for the record, I am uh, not a hundred percent certain, like you say, but I'm, I'm, I trust that the Earth yeah. is round because I I have read and understood the science. <laughs> yeah, me too. But in saying that, people are entitled to their opinions, but maybe just do your research. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what was I? What was I gonna say? What I was saying when I meant that was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call someone who says the Earth is flat stupid or dumb or because, like I said, I don't have the proof. All I'm saying is I've placed it, I've placed my trust and faith in people who I believe are correct. Do you know what I mean? So, Mm. I think that's where people should be choice making when they're when they're following a voice on the internet and they're. Um, someone's leading a, you know, an argument online and they're cancelling out other people, blah, 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 and you're saying, oh, I follow this guy, he's right, look at all this stuff, he's sliding off this person, blah, blah, blah. You're placing your faith in that person. I guess what I'm saying is pick the people you place the faith in and make sure that they're, they're credible and make sure you do trust their judgment, not, not just jump on the bandwagon. That's, that's where the danger, I think, is coming from as well. Not danger, but that's where the self-danger, I guess, but... That's what I mean. I wasn't denying like um, this, that, or the other, but yeah, where you're placing your your trust and this kind of thing is like choose credible sources, you know, mm. Mm. and and choose choose things that you choose people who can be tested and and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. And that's the other thing like people have this this idea in their mind that social media is a credible source and given like sometimes yeah i mean sometimes there is credible stuff that goes on there but 99 percent of the stuff that goes on social media is not credible 
It's literally just people. You think about YouTube, for example. The reason why a lot of people on in YouTube channels, they talk like this really, 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 really fast because they know that it captures your attention and that they use really outrageous topics because they use it as clickbait. Because essentially, the more people that yeah. follow your stuff, the more people that quote-unquote relate to your stuff, the more money you're going to make. So the things that you mm-hmm. see on social media combined with the algorithms that you were talking about before are targeted at you mm-hmm. because they know it'll get a reaction. That shit isn't always credible. So like like you're saying, if, if you really believe in something or you really want to dive into something, go do your own research. Look for things that are published yep. on credible sites, you know, like The Economist or NASA or um, research done by World Health Organization or credible bodies. And then look at the stuff that opposes those arguments too. Be open-minded. See, you know, articles written about the opposing view that are credible sources as well. And then come to your conclusion. Don't just see something that's posted on Instagram by I have loads of followers, 888, and repost it and say, this is fact. Everyone who doesn't believe in me is totally fucking wrong. The world doesn't work that way. No, yeah. Yeah, the whole fake news thing is... I think that's such a sad product um of the modern media and and also that that's that again has led to the the discredibility of good news outlets uh, mm. we can't trust anything that's put on the internet anymore there are there are professional journalists who spend months and years investigating stories and who are who are really deep on this kind of you know brexit for example people who dive deep and they say where is this coming from and where's this idea and who's mm. supporting this and like do we take the do we take that narrative as you know whoever has the most followers? Yeah. Or do we take the narrative by who who has the most like you know the most credibility? And I think going straight to the source is so important. Like if we're this is completely hypothetical, but if we're hearing stories right now about the conditions in hospitals uh, for the corona the corona outbreak, yeah, of course I want to I want to know what it's what it's happening. But I have friends who are nurses. So why don't you just ask them, hey, what's it like for you? What's, uh, what's happening in the hospitals? I think that's important too. Like ask your friends, ask people you trust uh, who work in industries or who are experts on the fields. Oh, hey, what's it like being a police person? What's it like being a nurse? What's it actually like uh, like this, like this? I'm sure all of us have, have, have built up expectations for ideas for something before and then we've done it ourselves and it's been super different playing your first game of sport, you know, or something like that. You expect the soccer match is going to be like this, and then you think, oh, wow, this is actually different to what I expected. I think that's the same, what, what we're saying way early on in the conversation. When you have these built-up ideas in your head and these images, um, you know, your image might be completely different from the reality. You know, my Harry Potter is different to your Harry Potter or whatever. So that's, I think that's important to go to the source and ask your friends who are nurses or doctors or uh, builders or whatever in, the, in their field and say, hey, what's it like with like this rather than just listen to Joe Blow, you know, talking a million things on the internet. Yeah, 100%. Out of interest, who is your Harry Potter? Yeah. Describe your Harry Potter to me because I reckon my Harry Potter's way fucking cool than yours, bro. And I'm going to back my shit up. Because my Harry Potter's way cooler, outrage culture. You're probably going to hate this, but I was one of the, I didn't even read Harry Potter. Oh, uh, no. Mate, you know what? This is done. I'm cancelling you out right now. 
Harry Potter is the, the TV Harry Potter. I was kind of lazy. Like, once they released the films, I just thought, oh, screw it. I'm just going to watch the films. I don't need to read the book. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Nah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Hey, I think we could talk about this for hours and hours. But for sure. before we get too stuck in it, why don't we kind of move into some practical tips that people can use to, one, identify when they're um, getting caught in the addiction of outrage, outrage culture, and two, how they can improve their empathy, their ability to seek to understand, and their ability to have <laughs> what we were talking about before in terms of thoughtful disagreement or, or, or productive debate, essentially. So I wanted to ask you if you had thought of yeah. any any ways or there's any things that you've maybe implemented yourself in your own life that have helped you kind of stay away from the the hysteria of outrage culture. I think we sort of touched on it like already, but if we had to break it down into a few simple rules, and again, I'm no expert, I'm not going to give anyone advice, but this is just what's worked for me. And it's something that I feel like is definitely happening more and more as I'm getting more mature and like we're saying about the teenage years, I'm moving out of those years um, and becoming more, you know, okay with who I am and what I believe in and that kind of thing and not just so hard-pressed. I think the first one would definitely be don't be married to your ideas because that already opens you up to to having that, that flux. If you're married to your idea, um, then you're not giving yourself any room um, to grow and to change and progress. So I think that would be the first one. Um the second one, um, not being married to your ideas. Oh, I had a few arguments that I wanted to sort of think of things I wanted to touch on here. Um, yeah, I guess using credible sources as well, um, and also maybe just not using emotive language. Try and use have like a debate without being so hard pressed. Like, what what would if you had to rephrase uh, your arguments online without using words like racist? or I hate you, or you're stupid, or like, so trying to make an argument, pretend you were talking to that person face to face, I guess is another good uh, good way you could approach it. So like, you wouldn't use those words, you wouldn't just at the tram stop, look at the advertisement of the lady crying and then, you know, say, oh, this is a joke, or this is blah, 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 like, put yourself in the other person's shoes and, and try and pretend, okay, if we were, if we were face to face, how would I approach this? Because maybe that'll, that'll remove a lot of the, a lot of the, the rhetoric that the people used online and the, the language. Uh, and also, I guess the other thing is be open-minded. That's probably the biggest one for me. And, and being open-minded is so much about giving as much as it is, as it is taking. Um, I think being open-minded, it's sort of the same thing as not being married to your ideas, but it's it's also just having the... Like, be, I'm talking way outside the box here, but... Uh, do do people ever actually feel like when they're typing these crazy comments and this kind of thing that they're going away from the computer and they're getting a, a sense of self satisfaction? I don't know. So maybe it's good to question the act itself. You know, they're mm. typing on the internet, saying these things. Remove yourself for a second and look and say, hey, is this really what I want to be doing with my time? Am I really want to invest an hour? of my life like arguing with this person I know nothing about simply because they said one thing on the internet or they put one photo on the internet and the other thing is what we're saying about context we don't even know if what they're saying is a joke what if they're a comedian and they're being a fake racist or they're being a fake idiot or they're being a fake 
yeah. uh, whatever. Yeah, and now exactly. we're just attacking them from every side. So I guess that would be the sort of the things I'd like to. They're the things that I've learned or that work the most for me for not getting too down in rubber holes. Yes. So I guess to sum that up, it's to not attach yourself to external thoughts and values. Um, yeah, for sure. To be open-minded and empathetic and to pick your sources, essentially, to find credible, um, realistic, truthful information or as, as close to it as you can get. And then yeah, exactly. the other one was to, to really think about and take time to uh, think about what you're saying and the message that you're putting across there because there's a fine line between being an activist and being someone who's passionate about an idea and being someone who has just become a predator, someone who is ruining other people's lives without mm-hmm. having to experience the emotion of ruining someone's life face to face. You know, you can do it in the comfort and the safety of your own home. You're not you're not aware of the impact that you're creating. I think the other thing, like <laughs> a, something that's really worked for me in terms of steering away from becoming part of the problem um, mm-hmm. is a simple, I think this is kind of the graduation from becoming a teenage internet user to becoming more of an adult user. I just turn my notifications off. And I simply, like, I've I've turned my notifications off and I don't scroll through things like Facebook and Instagram anymore. Mm -hmm. If I want to read information or learn about something, I use sources that are more credible, like Medium or uh, things like Mm -hmm. The Economist or, you know, political studies or, you know, health organization um, publications. Or whatever. Yeah, like credible information like what you're talking about. So... From a practical point of view for the individual, if you want to be less part of the problem and if you want to actually cause yourself less stress, because at the end of the day, end of the day what's more important, being right or being at peace with your mind? And for me, it's mm-hmm. always going to be peace of mind because being right constantly comes with just pain and suffering. Like, I don't want to deal with that. I'd rather be like, you know what, bro? Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool. Have your opinion. I'm just going to chill out over here. Like what, like what we were saying, if those people or even you aren't ready to learn, perhaps you're engaging in these crazy arguments and you both go home the same. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. You're, you're both going to have this one-hour one hour debate and nobody changes. Nothing yeah. has been developed. You know? Exactly. It's like when you have an argument with your partner and like you get to the end of it and you're actually like, what the fuck were we even arguing about? Like, Quite often, yeah. something just it turns into something completely ridiculous and completely unrelated to the topic. So I think for me, yeah. like pr- practically, if you can't deal with the internet, just turn off the notifications, remove it from your life, mm-hmm. get rid of the Definitely. get rid of the problem at its source, and then if you want to learn something, have conversations with people in in real life. Like you say, you know, if you want to learn a bit more about coronavirus and what's actually happening, talk to nurses, talk to doctors. Talk to friends in the industry. If you want to question a point of view, have a Skype conversation or a Zoom conversation. Mm. Or, sure, yes. you know, start a fucking podcast. Why not? It's that easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think the other, the other thing as well, like, well, I wouldn't say easy, but um, the other thing as well, like, the whole, what, what, what we're saying about going into these things and maybe you're, you're spending hours online and now we're, you know, we're both in agreement, just tone that right back. But you've got to remember, you're also leaving little fingerprints every time you write something. So 
if you're listening to this right now or in, in a month or a year or whatever's time and you've written all these hateful things um, and it's it becomes like a point scoring system and you're now writing hateful things and then they're writing hateful things back and let's say for example I'm arguing something and I'm really loud and really like, attacking this person and I end up being wrong what happens is now the other people they want to come at me because ah oh, you're wrong that we're coming after you now like and that's the whole point scoring system whereas like that's that's so silly like it shouldn't be a, a matter of waiting till the other one is vulnerable or waiting till they're weak and then attacking again like mm. uh, keep the slate clean you know keep it clean and if you're if you're spending hours losing your mind and losing your peace of peace of mind over this mm. stuff go read a book or like you know yeah <laughs> just go chill out, the, out chill out in the fucking park <laughs> and look at the clouds man <laughs> yeah go for a long run go for like a run montage or yeah. something to quote, to quote, to quote the man himself, Justin Timberlake, what goes around comes back around. And if you're going to actively pursue <laughs> at- attacking and destroying someone's life through the internet, guess what? In a few months, in a few years time, when it's happening to you, you're going to be like, wow, how yeah. could I have done this to someone else? This is the terrible. The crumb trial. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway, bro. Um... <laughs> I think I guess one last question. Sure, and then, sure. And then we can wrap up the podcast. If you okay, let's just remove all of the information we've talked about, and I want you to mm-hmm. leave one message with anyone listening to this right now. Doesn't need to be about outrage culture. What do you think is one of the most important things they can start doing today that'll help them be more in touch with themselves or just benefit them in some sort of way? It doesn't matter what. Um, I guess challenge your, just challenge your ideas, like, I guess that sort of ties in as well with the outrage culture, but there's so many things I thought I was right about, or so many things I thought I would never do, or things like that, but now I've just fully done a U-turn on, like, yoga is a great example, when, when the yoga growth was first coming out, I was sort of anti-yoga. I don't know why. I just was anti-yoga, and I just, I just was, you know, I just immediately said, I wasn't against anyone who did it, but I just had the first. I tagged it in my brain and said, not for me. But then once I started giving it a go, it's great fun. You know what I mean? And you, mm. you get a lot out of it. But that's like so many things in life. Um, just yeah, challenge your ideas, try new things. Yeah. The more that's, stuff. That's how we grow. The more stuff you disregard the less opportunities you have to, to grow. For sure. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I guess that's what all I can think of at the moment. Yeah, man, that was so great. Me off <laughs> that, that was the idea. I didn't want you to think about it too long. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I think Ryan had some amazing points to share and there was some really good stuff that came out of that podcast. For me personally, I learned a lot Um, a lot more than I already knew about outrage culture which I essentially knew nothing about before before a couple of days ago really when Ryan first mentioned that he wanted to do a podcast around this topic Uh, and now that I've had this conversation with Ryan and uh, had a bit more insight into it I think it's incredibly important that we uh, deal with this issue and that we uh, stop uh, encouraging it and growing this kind of culture in our society Uh, But let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, And as always, subscribe if you enjoy the podcast. Leave a five-star rating so they can help us get to more people. 
And if you want to share it with someone who may be interested, please go ahead. Uh, if you want to talk to us uh, about anything or question us about anything we've discussed in today's podcast, the easiest way to find us is through Instagram, M-A-S-S-I-E underscore B-R-O-S. That's Massey underscore bros. And until next time, this is goodbye and stay safe.